we obviously live in godless times. We need to accept that there will be some pain in the process. Uh, homophobic and transphobic ideas from parents can absolutely be a problem. <laughs> Inescapable judgment. Yeah, bigoted, misinformed parents who have no idea how to talk about gay sex. They're biased. If they are religious, it can be very difficult to get into the conversation with them. Yeah, sometimes you can get stonewalled out of information. Brought to you by Pfizer. Imagine that an adult male uh, wants to have sex with a 12-year-old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. A, a very standard, very widely held view that there's something deeply wrong about this. And it's wrong independent of it being criminalized. It's not obvious to me that is, in fact, wrong. But God still exists and he's still in charge. And the godlessness we see, well, that's kind of easy to see. But what about the sneaky godlessness of counterfeit Christianity that our loved ones practice, our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors, maybe even we practice? What does it actually mean to be a Christian? Not because... My pastor, who's also a friend, says so. Far from it. But what does the Bible say about what Christians believe and what we do with that belief? Pastor Jim Putman joins me. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now... From the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And it's times such as these that require us to make a decision. And some people, unfortunately, believe they've made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. And they're actually following something that's quite counterfeit. Now, this isn't today a discussion about this church or that church. This is a discussion about what does the Bible say it means to be a Christian? What does it mean to believe as a Christian? And more fundamentally, what does it mean to have that belief change us? Because belief is part of it. Activities are part of it as well as I understand it. But I ain't no pastor. So to weight loss, uh, SOTA weightloss.com, our partners in helping us do this show because they pay us to introduce you guys. This is the weight loss journey on which my wife has embarked on her 14th successful week. And it's also the weight loss partner that just countless now uh, friends of this podcast have made the decision to engage with, including now two husband and wife teams. It's sodaweightloss.com. Joining me now is pastor, author, um, real life ministries in Post Falls and a, in a bunch of subsequent locations and church planter, builder. Uh, former big time uh, college wrestler. I'm proud to say that this is the guy who is discipling me, uh, Jim Putman. Uh, welcome back to the Todd Herman Show. It's great to be here, my friend. I, I've been playing this um, this clip of Ted Lieu. Uh, he's a congressman, uh, California congressman. Uh, I would 
define him as I think a secular humanist or a moralistic. Tell me if I say this right. Moralistic, therapeutic deist. I got that right. The Barnard study. Um, He went to the house floor and said, I'm going to read into the record everything Jesus Christ said about homosexuality. And then he was silent for about 15 seconds and concluded his remarks, uh, therefore indicating that the Lord Jesus never spoke about um, homosexuality before. So before we get into what it means to be a Christian and belief and actions and where we see counterfeit, um, let's start with that since it's in the news. It's Pride Month. Everybody knows there was the parade here um, in our part of the world and the the freer part of the world, uh, North Idaho. Um, did the Lord Jesus discuss homosexuality in the in in uh, the New Testament, the Bible? Um, well, yes, in a roundabout way. Um, first of all, you have to remember what Jesus believed about the Bible. I mean, it's it's actually a, it's a little bit broader discussion when Jesus was asked questions, for instance, about divorce. Um, Jesus pointed back to Genesis, and he said, in the beginning, God created them, male and female, he created them. And he goes on to say, um, you know, what God has put together, let no man uh, put asunder. And so when it came to questions of uh, marriage, of sex, of those kinds of questions, he always referred to the Old Testament. So as believers, Jesus's worldview was a scriptural worldview, and it makes sense because we believe God the Son was with God the Father and God the Spirit, while, you know, the the Old Testament prophets were being led by the Holy Spirit to give us scripture. So we believe that the whole process of the Old Testament uh, scripture development was guided and protected by God. And we think since Jesus is the son of God and he rose from the dead and, uh, and he, uh, you know, the voice came from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, uh, the miraculous sign is affirmed who Jesus was, uh, uh, because he is the one who knows he affirms the old Testament. So when Jesus is asked questions, he, he, he does what he did with the devil, right? The devil said to him in the temptation in Matthew 4, you know, if you're truly the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he answers the temptations of the devil with scripture. It is written, it is written, it is written. Then, you know, the devil said, oh, okay, we're going to play the it is written card. So then he pulls a, a scripture out of context and quotes it to Jesus that if he throws himself down from the temple, that the angels will guard him and and uh, and will catch him so that he doesn't even strike his heel. And so Jesus's response was, "It is also written, do not test the Lord thy God." So in other words, the devil will quote scripture, misinterpret it, and then he will, uh, you know, try to twist it. And so Jesus knew that you don't get to pick pick and choose a verse. You want the entirety of the counsel of God. And so uh, he used scripture correctly to counter the devil's maneuvering. And so when you look at scripture, Jesus affirmed the Old Testament. Jesus told his disciples 
that uh, I'm going to go away. It's better for, for me to go away, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. He said that later that heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. He said in Matthew 28, uh, go into the world and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. So in the same way that Jesus affirmed the development of the Old Testament through people and at times it was protected and guided, Jesus is giving them the Holy Spirit to go and preach his words, and he's going to guide and protect those, which is why Paul writes about Jesus and about the scriptures that all scripture is God-breathed. Um, it's used for training, correcting, rebuking uh, in righteousness, right? So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So uh, Paul said, I'm glad you see these words as they are, not the words of men, but the word of God. You know, Paul said, if we are an angel from heaven, should come preaching a different gospel other than the one we've already preached to you, let them be condemned. Jude says, this faith is, it, it, body of knowledge has been delivered once and for all. And so, when you look at all of Scripture, it, it doesn't really matter if Jesus particularly dealt with the homosexuality. He dealt with fornication and adultery, which is sex outside of marriage or before marriage. He pointed to the genders in the garden, uh, the sexes in the garden, marriages between a man and a woman. Um, he then had his disciples who were filled by the Holy Spirit and guided by the Holy Spirit. This is what 2,000 years of Christianity has believed. He had them say things like uh, in Romans chapter 1, that men went so far with uh, worshiping the Creator rather than the or the created rather than the creator, and he God gave them over to depravity, and they went so far as to commit indecent acts, men with, with other men, and even the women abandoned natural relations. And you go into 1 Corinthians where he says, do not be misled, and he gives a list of sins, including homosexuality. And again, that, that's important because those who, who want to say homosexuality uh, isn't, you know, scriptural, Paul says, if you practice these sins, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But to those who want to identify homosexuality as, you know, the only sin, he also identifies those who practice greed, who are malicious, who are disobedient to their parents. I mean, he gives a list of other sins. So those who want to make homosexuality the only sin and the worst sin from which God will judge you, you're wrong. For those who want to say it's not a sin from which God will judge you, you're wrong. A biblical worldview says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God wants to forgive us, but he offers us the opportunity to surrender to him as Savior and Lord. And so I'm not going to be a part of condemning homosexuality as the only sin. And, you know, divorcing your wife for any other reason other than adultery as not a sin because everybody's to know. Jesus says stuff about that, too. And so we want to understand God's word. We want to hold to it. We want to be understand that none of us can be proud because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And our message is not the bad news. You're going to hell. Our message is we were all going to hell. And Jesus offers us a way out by dying on the cross for us, for those who practiced homosexuality in the past, or adultery, or cheating, or lying, or gossiping, or the good news is God wants to save us from that, uh, controlling our lives and destroying us, and he wants to give us a relationship with him for all eternity. So it's a bigger question than just that, uh, yeah. that uh, 
little, it seemed like a little question, but. Well, the, but the, no, I mean, this is, but this is the game, right? And this is why uh, moralistic therapeutic deism, uh, which is in this Barna study, folks, we've been talking about this week, I've linked to it in the show notes. I hope you've read what we can read about this. And um, that's why this is so appealing because we all have friends and family who are same sex attracted. It is, they've been, they've been taught to believe that is their complete identity. This is not just how they feel. It is what they are. Um, and they've been taught that if we will not um, say, yes, 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 what you are is this is right. This is good behavior. Then we hate them. And that's why it's such a hard discussion. And Jim, psychologically, I think that's why people are so anxious for this moralistic therapeutic deism, because it's God without judgment. It's a very convenient God, which leads me to the, the bigger question. And, and I want to be crisp on this because there's a lot of people in this audience. Uh, the Lord has decided to use this silly clay pot rodeo clown you're looking at. Um, to reach people through the show, and only he does that, uh, who are now new to church or have come back to church. There are people who are leaning into church. Um, and we live in a society where Chris, being a Christian is ill-defined for a lot of people. And quite frankly, Jim, there's a lot of churches who are happy to sell what C.S. Lewis called soft soap Christianity. And let's start crisply with um, on the topic of belief, and then we'll get into the topic of behavior. On the topic of belief, what is a biblical worldview supported description of a Christian person? Yeah, um, the scriptures make it clear that you're saved by grace, God's grace, through faith. Um, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, so that no man should boast. So that's Ephesians 2, uh, 8 through 10. And then we're created new in Christ Jesus for good works, which God planned for us to do before time began. So um, we're not created by good works. We're created anew in Christ Jesus for good works. So you can't uh, save yourself. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That would be Romans 3. We were, because of the curse, we are contaminated so to speak, uh, like the earth, is, it's beautiful, but because of sin of, of, of humankind, the curse meant that, okay, now it's no longer just beautiful, it's filled with thorns and thistles, and work, which was meant to be a good thing, is now by the sweat of our brow. A uh, relationship that was supposed to be good, well, now uh, the wives uh, will desire to control their husband, but their husbands will control them. So now there's a battle. Now there's a, a child raising and bearing um, was supposed to be a beautiful thing, but now because of sin and independence and, and all of that, um, now every part of the world is contaminated. So, so a Christian comes to the conclusion that because of sin, sin is spread to all men. All men have sinned, therefore all men die. Uh, but God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to come down here and um, live a sinless human life, uh, fully God, fully man, and then uh, because he was sinless and because he is fully God, he is able to lay down his life and pay for the sins of all mankind. And so um, if he wasn't God, then he can, he can if he, and he was sinless, he could pay for the sin of one. But because he's God, he can pay for the sins of all men. And, all uh, you know, it's like the scale. You put a God on the scale, you can put all the human beings on the other side, and it balances out. You put a man on the scale, and if he's sinless, only one man, he can only pay for the sin of one man. Because he's sinless, 
he doesn't deserve the penalty of death. He deserves, uh, um, you know, to have a relationship with God for all of eternity. And he reversed the curse for us. Uh, he made it possible because of what he did and because of God's willingness to attribute it to our account, so to speak. My personal spiritual account is empty, but he is so full in his account, he will put it into my account so that I can be declared righteous. I'm not righteous. I can be declared righteous uh, because of my faith. Now, the question is, what is faith? If I'm, it, it, how do I uh, acquire that righteousness in my account. Well, I receive it. I receive Jesus as Savior, and uh, and I receive uh, the account. I can't earn it myself. I don't deserve it. I have to say, yes, Lord, save me, which is a, an act of humility. But I also have to say, but Jesus, and this is where repentance comes in. Repentance, the uh, Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Not be baptized, uh, you know, you can be baptized for a lot of different reasons. Uh, your parents did it. Your grandparents did it. Um, you, you know, if your friends were all doing it, it, you know, repentance means that I understand I've fallen short of the glory of God. I've sinned, and it hurt God, and I'm going to turn away from it, and I'm going to walk towards God. I'm going to turn away from self-rule. I'm going to turn away from what happened in the Garden of Eden. Remember, the devil said, don't let God determine what's right and wrong. You know, he's just trying to keep you down. You choose. And we did. And how's that work for us? And so now what we do is go, you know what? You were right in the beginning. When you say something's right, it's right. When you say something's wrong, it's wrong. And I may not even understand the consequences of it. But you know what I don't know. You are good. You are righteous. You are loving. And so I repent of my self-rule. I repent of thinking of only myself, of my own pursuit of my own happiness at the expense of others. And I understand that you are both Savior and Lord. And so when you are truly, according to a biblical worldview, just believing Jesus is the Son of God and he died on the cross and rose from the dead does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is, is placing your trust in him as Savior and Lord. So rather than um, uh, just believing he is something, I now trust him to save me and trust him to lead me. Romans chapter 1, Paul says that uh, he was called to uh, call people to the faith that comes, to, excuse me, to the obedience that comes from faith. And James 2 says, you say you believe in God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Faith that doesn't work itself out in action isn't really faith biblically. And what we've been told is, merely because I believe in God, um, and I believe Jesus is the Son of God, uh, somehow that means I'm saved. Or, uh, you know, people who say they're saved and they're Christians, but then define uh, you know, obedience, not as something you do because you, there's repentance, and even though you even struggle with that, there's a grace that comes. But, but faith is just believing in an act. Uh, I, I was baptized. I went to church. I prayed a prayer. It's not actually living out uh, a different lifestyle and changing and growing as the Holy Spirit guides and directs. They're not actually living out a biblical worldview. And according to biblical worldview studies, you know, George Barner just came out with that uh, 
this worldview that says 69% of Americans claim to be Christian, but only 2% of Americans have a biblical worldview. So that means that there's a whole bunch of people that think they're Christian, but they have no idea what the Bible actually says about anything, and let alone salvation. And I would say this is a, a, the devil's way of deceiving and luring. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? But don't do the things that I say. And on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this or didn't I do this nice thing? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, which is the scariest uh, passage of Scripture I think there is in Scripture, that somebody can actually be fooled or, or lie to themselves or be lied to about what a Christ follower is and get there and find out on that day they weren't. And, and there's a penalty that most Christians don't believe in hell even though Jesus talks more about hell than he does heaven. We've decided that we aren't going to believe something because we don't like it and it's not popular, rather than just surrendering to the Lord Jesus and what he has said in his word and what has been understood for 2,000 years. So let's boil that down to some steps when we come back, um, because I love the explosion of theology. And and you and I, you've been discipling me, and I know that's a very frustrating process for you, and I know you've had to hire a second therapist because uh, of the, <laughs> the whole process, the whole process of trying to disciple some rodeo clown. Um, so let's, but let's boil that down to some steps. And then I want to address what works look like, because you didn't just say works earn salvation. That's not what Jim said. So I want to boil it down into some, some quick, easy, understandable steps. Not that it's quick and easy because it's not, but I want to make sure that people new to the faith understand this and people more mature in the faith are able to explain it to others. We'll continue uh, with Jim Putnam. Uh, you know, the story about Alan's artisan soaps. Uh, I don't know that you yet know the full story. We've had people sign up now for the Herminator sub. Uh, and this is, you get with the uh, the initial Herminator sub, you get to 10% savings. 10% savings last, by the way. You get a six bars of soap. You get a soap rack, a soap pouch. You get a fluff. Here's the evolving story. As these subscriptions add up to these very, very uniquely scented soaps, all designed uh, by a family that's done this for three generations, all made in the United States, all with 100% natural ingredients. Many of these designed by young Alan, I've told you about, joyful, joyful young man. He can't speak um, at all. So impacted by autism, facing a lifetime of surgeries, but his family said his life matters. And he is the chief soap officer. It's for real. So these incredible scents like cedarwood, jasmine, watermelon, basil, uh, vanilla lime. By the way, there's some new scents coming. I'll let you know what I can talk about that. Every time the subscriptions build up, you get them at allenssoaps.com slash Todd, A-L-A-N-S soaps.com slash Todd. Every time these subscriptions build up, we get closer to being able to go to other companies Okay, this is where this is headed, guys. This is what you're building. We get to go to other companies and say, look what we did. We didn't use robots. We didn't use automation. We used human beings. Furthermore, this young man who can't speak, he designed soap scents that people love. Okay, as we build this and they get closer to being able to get into retail stores because of what we're doing here, you will be able to look back as an early adopter of this stuff and say, I helped build companies that show that each life deserves respect. Even, I would say, in the words of the party, even that guy? Yes, even Alan. It's alanssoaps.com slash Todd, A-L-A-N-S soaps.com slash Todd. My pastor is with me, author and um, obviously pastor and 
discipling me, Jim Putman is with us. So Jim, let's boil this down near as we can. We have um, the acceptance of the Lord Jesus, recognition that he's the son of, recognizing he's the son of God, that he came to pay off a, a bill we couldn't otherwise pay, which is the sin problem. Uh, he willingly went to the cross. He died for us. In three days, he rose again. Um, we become baptized. We, we, in that baptism is symbolism, but also the acceptance of Lord, uh, the Lord as our, as our savior. And we will turn to him in all things. He will be our boss. He will be our guide. We will treat him as who he is, king of heaven. Um, did I miss anything in terms of the steps before we talk about behaviors? Yeah, I think um, the fruit, the Bible tells us that the fruit of somebody who has accepted Christ is in their behavior. So behavior, uh, as you start to walk with Jesus, you start to see things through his eyes, uh, that's why when you read through the New Testament, when Jesus is walking through this disciples, he would say, you have heard it said, and, and hate your enemies, uh, um, but I say, love your enemies and be kind to them. So as the king, he's saying, you, we've all had a worldview handed to us. In Jesus' time, it was through the Romans or the Greeks or the Persians, and you know Jerusalem had been captured a hundred times, and then it was through the religious leaders who had often taken... Uh, the Old Testament and misinterpreted it, misapplied it. And he would say, no, as God, let me tell you what this all really means and let me tell you how it looks. And as you start to understand his love for you and that everything he does is for your good and the way he sees things, you start to look at that woman who's caught in adultery uh, and you go, yes, it's sin. He called it sin. He said to the woman, go, go and sin no more, but I don't condemn you. I want to save you. So the, the gospel message is not just you're a sinner, it's you're a sinner, we're, you're all sinners, but I came to save you and I love you. The good news is I want to save you. And so a person's heart, there's a change that happens when you understand the heart behind every command. When Jesus went to the cross, it's a two-sided picture. On the one side, Jesus is saying, sin is worthy of death. This is how I see sin. When Jesus was whipped, um, and Jesus was pierced, it's as though God is saying, let me show you how much I hate sin. This is what, it's a warning. I am going to judge sin. I hate it this much. As Jesus' hands were stretched out, I hate sin this much. But at the same time, this is a picture of God saying, but this is how much I love you. I'm willing to take this for you. When you understand how much God hates sin, how can you live in it any longer? That's Romans 6. So should we go on sinning so that grace should increase? By no means. You died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? Yes, you still struggle with sin, Romans 7. That which I wish to do, I don't. That which I hate to do, I do. What a wretched man I am. Who can save me from this body of death, right? You're like, wow, I hate that I'm struggling with this. There's been a heart change towards my sin because Jesus had died on the cross for it, and he hated that much, but he loved me that much. And so how can we go on doing what it cost Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus' life? Uh, how can we continue to do it? And, and knowing that all sin hurts us and hurts others, how can we continue in that? But yet we still struggle with it because we have a sinful nature. We have a deceiver. But as we fall and struggle and, and like, wow, Lord, thank you for your grace. But no, I'm not going to keep doing this. It, it changes our view of sin. So when a person says, well, I believe in God, 
but I'm going to keep doing this and I'm not going to obey God. I'm not going to do what he tells me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. I like the save, save salvation part, but he will not be my Lord. It's obvious you really don't know who you're dealing with and what he's done for you. And so Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. A person whose heart has been changed as a repentance, a faith, a surrender, a submission, is going to sincerely walk through life and still struggle and fall down. But there's a difference between, in your journey in life, between taking a shovel, digging a hole, and building a nice house in a hole, and walking down the road and tripping in a hole and falling flat on your face and going, doggone it, I got to get back up and I got to walk with Jesus because this life is broken. There's an enemy. It's at war. And those who follow Jesus, he's going to someday take away my sinful nature. He's going to take away sin, the devil. There's going to be a place where I'm back in the garden before sin. And with all that in this time, when he says don't do something, it's because I have a memory of what it cost when I did. He was right. He is good. And so there is a difference in our heart. And if you're living in sin and you don't care what God's word says because you just think you had an event one day, you prayed a prayer or somebody baptized you or you did whatever, and you have, and the, it, it, listen, if the Holy Spirit is living in you, there's a change of heart. That's why the Bible says no one who is born of God in First yeah. John, no one who is born of God continues or practices sin. They can't. They fall in it, and then they repent, and they get back up and like, Lord, forgive me. But they don't just live in it like it's okay. They just can't. Yeah, that's and it's always neat for me when I, I get to chat with you, your family, and the staff, because they'll say, well, the thing about Jim is he's perfect. And... <laughs> 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 yeah, you're not uh, talking to my family. No, that's one of the things I appreciate about uh, your approach is it's an honest approach. I mean, um, you've said you've said in sermons, you know, my wife and I were arguing the other day and and here's where we were at and driving the church and, and she's in a separate car. And then I have to come in and, and preach. And, and in the old way of church, you would come in and not mention that. But in the you know, in, in being honest with the people you're discipling you can't you can't have the deception so let me give you an example for me because this this really meant something to me when we started this podcast it was a leap of faith you know that and i had an opportunity to take a shortcut big shortcut and this is someone in the business we hadn't yet by the way folks if you're listening to this in all likelihood you learned about me through kcth a decade of 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 the lord granted us a market dominant show over there you know about the rush limbaugh fill-in um god rest rush so you know that story here's the technical part of this i probably would have had to spend upwards of a hundred thousand dollars to find you guys um because my old radio station didn't want me to be able to speak to you and um, when we were working that out, and ultimately our friend Zach Abraham from Bower Capital Management um, came in and, and wrote a check um, and, and made that happen. And now Zach is an advertiser and, and a partner and pays for that. Uh, but Jim, I had a guy in the business say, oh, Todd, I could get you those subscribers. We need to do it carefully and slowly. But yeah, in about three months, I could get them all for you. We'll just start sliding them over. I know how this is done. Jim, I'm sitting in the room. I'm talking to you now. And I thought, oh, great. Oh, this is awesome. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say, oh, so you're going to steal from your former company. You're going to start a show, putting God at the center 
And in the first week, you're going to make an agreement to steal. And I had to say to this guy in the phone, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this would be stealing. I can't do this. And, and then I'm in the position of calling him a thief. And so, and he said, well, I don't want to think of it as stealing. I mean, you did build the audience. I said, yeah, I got paid for that. And I look, I'm not judging you, but this is something I can't do. And it got weird because like next phone call, he said, Hey, I just want to get something to square. Like, are, are you harboring bad thoughts about me? And I said, yeah, you're going straight to hell because y- y- you sin. And I don't <laughs> actually, I said, no, I get it. I mean, business is seductive. It's seductive that way. Um, and shortcuts are so very seductive. So let me get just this. I want to frame this question. And I need to talk here about uh, another partner in a second, but I want to frame this question, talk about this partner, and then have you answer it and give some thought to it. Um, that's, that's a change in my behavior. And it's not necessarily that I went around stealing or, or taking shortcuts, but sometimes I took shortcuts. Sometimes it's how I treat people. Sometimes I could bully my way through corporate America. Like I was a young guy at Microsoft. I got so good at bullying or calling in air support from a big bully SVP or working in politics, man, I kneecapped people in politics when I figured out that was the game. And Jim, I got really good at it. It was like a, it was like a real life survivor. So I feel that the Lord has changed me in those ways, but I I want to shift gears because you started to mention something and we've talked about your preaching and your teaching these churches, Jim, that are teaching people uh, this moralistic therapeutic deism, uh, or they're, they're supporting syncretism, which is sort of, I used to, I sometimes call my mom a cafeteria Catholic. She, you know, she likes this part of the Catholic dogma, but not, not this part. So she rejects it and she calls herself a Catholic. So I want to ask you this question and have you think about it. Why are these churches doing this? And I know that requires supposition. I know that there's separate human beings in these churches and some of them for some reason, some for the other, but let's talk about this phenomena. Uh, Jim Putnam is with me. It's real life ministries and post falls and a whole bunch of subsequent ministries and a series of books, which are linked in the podcast notes. The latest one is um, radical discipleship. I think that's what it's called. I wrote something for it. I should know it by heart. I mentioned a partner, American financing Uh, guys, listen, uh, the interest rate thing, that American financing, AmericanFinancing.net has been warning us about. This This looks eminent. We are seeing inflation at a 40-year high. So you might need to buy a home. Like I know people who have sold their home in this, in this you know, high, high return housing market. And they're looking for places, but they see the interest rates coming. They have to go up. I, I don't know how they can do anything else. So here's one other advantage about this family owned national mortgage bank that can make decisions very quickly. And by the way, they will treat you as human beings. Meaning if you just retired, so your income's changed, they'll get that. You work seasonally, you're a builder. So winter's slow for you. You don't earn as much money. They get that, right? They don't have any commission people. There's no reason for them to, to push you into a loan. But if you're buying a house, get this about American financing and AmericanFinancing.net. They can lock you into an interest rate for 120 days, four months. 
you will know what your interest rate's going to be. You'll know that from them very, very quickly. You can apply online at AmericanFinancing.net. When you do that, understand these guys are A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, about 7,000 Google reviews, averaging nearly five stars, 20 years in business, and almost all 20, they were with our friend Rush Limbaugh. God bless Rush. American Financing, to me, is faster to call, 866 887-2275. That's 866-887-2275. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182-334. NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Jim Putnam's with us. Uh, Jim, why do these churches, um, why do they accept what what C.S. Lewis called soft soap Christianity? Why do they accept these, these counterfeit gospels? And why do they sell these to congregations? Because I would seem to me, I don't pretend to make decisions for the Lord, but if I were God, I'd be pretty mad that pastors are teaching counterfeit Christianity and I might be reserving a, a good, maybe custom-made cup of wrath for those pastors. Well, honestly, uh, I'll give you an, an example of just something that happened here in Coeur d'Alene this last weekend. We had, uh, at the Coeur d'Alene Park here, we had the Gay Pride event. Um, we had the Satanic Church do unbaptisms, And then we had... Um, another Christian group with signs and saying homosexuals are going to hell and walking around with ARs, all in the same vicinity. And our policemen, man, they're heroes and they did a great job. And and it, for me, it was sad for several different reasons. First, the Gay Pride had for its sponsors a bunch of different corporations, but a bunch of different churches. And so a bunch of churches in our area um, supported the gay pride movement. Why did they do that? Well, I think, um, you know, I think the Bible just tells us that the end times that people are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, that their gods are going to be their stomach. That means the, the seat of their emotions and their appetites. And, um, and so we live in a world that that's where people are pushing towards sort of a pursuit of happiness at all costs. And, you know, it taught these people that they're, they were born with appetites, therefore they must be, be good versus they were born broken and in some way, and they, and those things must be denied. And, you know, so you've got churches that, that don't stick to scripture and that's been happening in, in increasing numbers all around the United States. And then on the other side of that, you've got the other churches that were kind of supporting the guys with the bullhorns and, and the signs, God hates homosexuals. And, and, uh, you know, and so you've got those people who think they have a biblical worldview that don't have a biblical worldview either. And, and so you've got the people on the right pointing fingers proudly at the people on the left. Um, not remembering that pride and arrogance is sin, just like homosexuality is sin. And so I don't think right now, I mean, you've got the obvious MSNBC and CNN and on the left side that I think is, I mean, there's no way you can have a biblical worldview and be okay with that. And then you got the, the, the Fox News and some of their stuff, you know, they just did this big podcast on, affirming transgenderism in a kid and, yeah. and Fox brought that out. And, and then you've got, you know, some guys going, Hey, this guy is uh, we, we need to vote for a guy 
in Pennsylvania uh, because he can be elected, whereas the other lady said homosexuality sin, so she can't be elected. So, so it's all about elections, not about standing on the truth, you know, and the ends justify the means. And you've got people on both sides who, you know, the worldview on the left is America's terrible and it never did anything good. And the worldview on the right is America's great and it's God's country and it never did anything wrong. And, and you know, and we're not kingdom of this earth. I mean, we are strangers and aliens, First Peter says. We have a mission on planet earth. It's to tell the gospel. He waits to return. God waits to return because he wishes none to be lost. And our mission is to talk about the king of heaven and earth and the kingdom of heaven. And though we're in the world, we're not of it. Yes, we're good citizens so that we create a safe environment. Uh, but our hope was never in Trump or, or whoever's next, even DeSantis. Uh, you know, those are, that, yes, we make wise choices about who, where we vote. But, but listen, God, God's got a bigger agenda. And so I think there's people without biblical worldviews on both sides. Uh, if you were to ask me which one's more correct, I absolutely think the right is more correct. And I absolutely vote with the right uh, because of I'm, I'm anti-abortion and I'm, I'm pro-family and I'm, you know, the list goes on and on. And, I, and, and I, I am not for a welfare state, not because I don't care about those who are poor, it's that the, the way in which they're saying the poor can be helped is not going to work. It's not biblical. Uh, yes, we help people that, that can't work. We don't help people that won't work. I mean, you know, and just giving people handouts doesn't make people better. So there's a reason why I vote more right. But then there are people on the right who judge people, you know, and, and who won't, don't want to help anybody. There are the proud, arrogant people who, who you know, I earned it, so it's mine, and I'm not going to help anybody. And that's not right either. But my, 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 my point here, I guess, is... Because people don't know the word, they're not surrendered to Jesus, they have created a synchronistic form of the faith, and they don't read the word, they don't test everything by the word, and, uh, and so they're, they're fooled. And the devil doesn't care which ditch you're in as long as you're in <laughs> one of the ditches. Right. And this is, I think, um, as we've put God, or what I do, my job the right way, uh, and put God at the center of the podcast with conservative politics at the edges. Um, some people have interpreted that to say, oh, you've gone soft. You don't love America anymore. No, no. I, I think that uh, I just discussed yesterday the fact that I truly believe our founders were inspired by the Lord. And I, I believe that the Lord backed our country. This is not, I'm not pretending this is biblical, Jim. I haven't read the United States isn't in the Bible as far as I know. But look, we designed a country where religious freedom was one of the top things. It was in the first of the First Amendments. It was one of the things our founders said was so important, it must be named, right? We must say we have a right given to us by God to practice our faith. Um, and then, of course, the Second Amendment's necessary in their eyes to keep the First Amendment in place. So I do love this country. And I think what has changed for me um, in, in the discipleship process is remembering that the Lord is God of all. He loves all of us and he wants all of us to come home with him. And all I ask of people is to keep things in the right proportion this morning. In fact, in our discipleship group, 
I'm thinking I need to change my principles. My principles for years, Jim, have been God, country, family, friends, work. God, because he's God. Country, because I want my family to have a safe place to work because I want a great country. And I'm thinking that's upside down. I think it is God, family, friends, country, work. Because our country will fall when our families are destroyed. Right. And the enemy is attacking families because God invented us and then family and then gave us circles of influence. You talk about the, the spheres, right? The, the, the spheres of our church sphere, our work sphere, our home sphere. So these are the places that we have the most influence. And if we would spend more time with our families talking about and demonstrating and acting um, in, in concordance with the word of God, we would have far fewer problems. Um, that's where, that's where, that's where I think I need to change my principles, but I'm sorry. You said what? Well, I think, I think about, you know, these people down there that are holding up signs and shouting and doing all that. Right. Um, I always wonder, are you trying to silence the voices out there that disagree with your view at the expense of sharing your views in a loving way with your children See, um, if you're actually raising your children to know the Lord and you're living a lifestyle that, that puts Jesus first and you're, you're living out this sort of, uh, you know, I'm going to teach you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sit in front of the TV for three hours and watch Fox News. I'm actually going to sit down with my children and I'm going to know them and I'm going to lead them. And I'm going to pray with them. And I'm going to disciple them. If that happened, then it really wouldn't matter what those people out there were saying about gender. Okay. But if you, if you don't do that and all you try to do is silence those people out there talking about gender, then, then you there's still a vacuous hole in your kid's understanding. And, and um, you know, I'm not saying it shouldn't be both. I don't want them deceiving people with this gender discussion. I think that is of the devil. Right. And it's, it's pseudoscience. I think there's, there's no evidence for it. It's, it's it frustrates me to no end. But if I'm, if I'm out there shouting and yelling and screaming and I'm not um, loving my family and loving those people, those people aren't going to listen to me when I'm shouting at them. But if I'm the kind of person that does good deeds, I'm living wisely amongst unbelievers, the Bible says, making the most of every opportunity. What is wisdom? It's humility and love and service. If I'm ministering to people, no matter who they are, what other religion, what other sin, if I'm doing that, that gives me an opportunity to share uh, a different perspective based on love. If I just sit around, take care of myself, pursue my own happiness with a job or going 30 miles an hour. So I don't 30,000 miles. So I can't be involved in church. I can't get my kid into youth group. I can't disciple my kids. And then every once in a while I go to some event where I shout at somebody that isn't going to work. Yeah, that, I, that's not going to do it. I don't know. See, I, I, I've not met those brothers uh, who were down there doing that. I did see the signs that say you're going to hell. And and I look at that, Jim, and I get the instinct because, uh, look, if you don't repent, sadly, you are. But how many people down there had hate in their heart? That's a hateful sign to me. Um, and I can't read their hearts, but it's hateful. 
um, to me to see that because it's almost like we're glad. Oh, and by the way, we're glad. Um, and then my bigger, I had two points about this. The people went down to do that. Number one, it's an ineffective tactic. Right. Um, number two, man, the devil loves that stuff because the devil can be in the ears of the people at the pride event saying, see, 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 they hate you. See, I told you. And then you've got the guy with the pride people holding the sign saying love hasn't won yet. And, and they can be looking at it going, yeah, we're right. Here's the bigger thing for me, Jim. Um, last time I checked, God knows where Coeur in Idaho is and he could be there and he was there and the satanic temple did try to do their unbaptisms and they got kicked out and companies that did sponsor that event are losing customers. We walked away from one of our banks because of this. They're paying a price. God was with us. So I guess the way I might close something like this, Jim, um, is I want to make sure that our folks who've heard this that are that are new understand the counterfeit Christianity that exists, understand that 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 politics belongs below, way, way below the word of God. Um, and that the Bible, simp- it doesn't simply, it tells us exactly um, how to follow God, how to be saved. And I would ask you this question to close this out since the gay pride thing is on our minds. Is there an instance in the Bible where the Lord Jesus went to a red light district? Um, because they existed. I mean, he rescued Mary Magdalene from there. She'd been inhabited by, I forget how many demons, but, you know, tens of demons. He saved her. He rescued her. Mary, you're with me now. Called her by her name. She'd been using a different name. Um, so oppressed by demons was she. Is there an instance in the New Testament where the Lord Jesus said to, his, to, to, the, uh, to the apostles, hey, you guys, let's go down and yell at people at the red light district. Let's, let's go down and tell them they're going to hell. Did anything like that ever happen? As in far the, as I know, uh, he didn't carry a sign <laughs> and he didn't, carry around, he, didn't, he didn't carry around an AR either. Yeah. Right. Not that you're and, not this. Wait, are you not coming for my AR? I got ARs. Yeah. Well, I, and I got one too. The elders of my church gave me one for my birthday. I'm not against ARs, right? Uh, but but my point being is how how we don't fight like the devil for the things yeah. of God. It, this is a this is what Peter or excuse me Paul said in Philippians three, and I think this is so good. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. And, and um, uh, you know, I, I just think about, you know, the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And I, I think about, you know, the way in which Paul saw things. In Second Timothy 2, he says something really important. He says, um, he says, uh, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope 
that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Where it, These people who want to say, God hates homosexuality, he does, but he hates pride. Wait, he hates homosexuality. You, you, I want to make sure what, didn't what did I, I want to make sure that people didn't hear you to say God hates homosexuals because I know you don't yeah. believe that. Yeah, yeah, no, God hates homosexuality, exactly right. And thank you for the, for clarifying that. He he loves them and he wants them to escape the trap of the devil. And so Paul says this with tears in his eyes and gently instructing. And, and so those people that want to hold on to one sin and, and, and go, that's wrong. Well, you're right, that's wrong. But it's wrong to go and approach people with hatred. That's wrong, too. So how do we fight the right fights in the right, right way? And so when it comes to homosexuals or adulterers or, or gossips or, you know, People like me who struggle with their thought life and fall down, and sometimes I'm, I'm like argumentative and I'm, I'm, I'm selfish, and I, none of that's right. And there are moments where I struggle with that and lose, and I have to confess my sins to the Lord and confess my sins to others. Let's come at this with humility and understand that sin is a symptom of the problem. If all we do is fight the symptoms and don't go to the heart issue, which is people are lost and Jesus wants to save them. Once they find Jesus and they really understand who he is and how much he loves them and the the truth about reality and eternity, the sins start. I mean, it's like, wow. Okay. How do I break this? (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing how uh, different the view is. I shared this the other day and, and I know I've kept you a long time, so we'll have to wrap this up, but you know, I was, I was, I was back on Tubbs Hill, Jim. I'm a little obsessed with going there and you know, I've, I hurt my wing, you know, that I can, the Lord's been healing me and you know, I've been wearing an altitude mask, Jim, you know, I didn't wear masks at all. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but I, I was up on Tubbs Hill and I was walking, I had my weight vest on and I had my altitude mask on. Cause you know, I can't work out hard. I'm trying to mimic intensity and a, a brother comes up and he's, he's doing his walk and he's got two and a half pound dumbbells. And in my mind, I thought, good for him. Older guy, good for him. So what that they're two and a half pound dumbbells. So what? And in my heart, I was celebrating him. He got behind me by about seven feet and he goes, lots of COVID down there on the point, moron. And I, and I stopped there for a second. And Jim, all of a sudden, here I am, a man in my mid fifties, yelling words at this guy. Come back here. Turn around, little man. Hey, are those your daughter's dumbbells? <laughs> Screaming at him and profanities. And I'm standing there. And then just the Holy Spirit spoke to me of, oh, by the way, how do you think you looked at people wearing masks, Todd? By the way, Todd, what was in your heart? And I had to go through the rest of that exercise session, apologizing to the Lord and saying, can you please help me not have emotional outbursts at that? And then, then I felt like I needed to go find the guy. Like I needed to go find him and then apologize for screaming at him. But I am glad that he walked away from me before he said that because my sin nature could have really taken over. Um, okay. I, 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 I can, and my sin nature takes over for five minutes. It can take me five years. <laughs> to and, and, you know, but I don't want to be that man. There's yeah. a change in heart. And when I'm that man, I'm hoping it's short lived and I get back on course. And, and I've got brothers like you and, sisters around me that and my wife and you know that put up with me love me point me back to jesus and you know the, the christians are supposed to be humble yeah because we all needed to be saved 
Yeah. And we're supposed to be messengers of reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God through Christ, and we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We implore, we beg people, be reconciled to God. And, and so that's the answer. I just hope that uh, Christians start to wake up. And, and the more we look like Jesus, the, you know, I, I, what I hate is when people judge Jesus, um, you know, uh, for what we do when we're not showing who he truly is. <laughs> exactly. You've, you've often cautioned us, hey, if you're going to, if you're going to drive, drive around aggressively, just don't put a real life uh, sticker on your car. Like take yeah. that, take that off. All right. Jim Putnam, uh, my pastor, my friend, guy who's, uh, going through the painful process of uh, discipling the Euro Rodeo Clown podcast host. Uh, Jim, I always appreciate you. I ask you to go with God's good grace. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and folks, this is the Todd Herman Show. As always, please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be discerning. Um, take every thought captive to Christ. And yes, measure things. Measure every spirit that you feel. Is this the Holy Spirit? And I do love you. Thank you for your support.